Thank you, choir and soloists and Lauren, for reminding us of what God has done for us, the greatness of His grace. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about who wrote the book of love, and I'm not going to sing. (laughs) For those of you that are old enough to know that song, I'm not going to sing it. And all God's people said, thank you. Got the gift of discouragement. (laughs) You know, there's all kind of ideas in this world about love. In fact, we got a couple of guys that wrote a book called The Love Dare. There are books on love. There are talk shows that talk about love. There are magazines that tell you how to find your true love. There are websites that tell you how to match up with your love. I mean, everywhere you turn, there's, there's something about love. There, there are songs about love. The Beatles said, all you need is love. Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> there are thousands of songs, and love is a theme. You know, if somebody can write a hit love song, uh, they can make a lot of money. Uh, Dolly Parton's made a lot of money off of, I will always love you. But I want to submit to you in these few moments this morning that the greatest love story ever written and the greatest songs ever sung have been about the love of God for us. John chapter 3 and verse 16, if you've got your Bible, I want to ask you to turn there. You already know it. You're familiar with it. It is the most familiar verse in all the Bible. But I want us to look at it today with fresh eyes and to see exactly what God is saying to us, how God is explaining to us his great love for us, his unconditional, overwhelming love that showed itself in the death of his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, that's unique, one of a kind, not one like him before, never will be one like him again, his unique only begotten son, that whosoever, you, me, whoever, anywhere in this world, at any time, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that verse doesn't mean that you and I are not going to die one day. All of us will have a day when we die. It means that you will not experience the second death. And that is death in an eternity of separation without Christ. You see, God has written us a love letter. It's called the Bible. And his love has an intelligent, giving quality to it. Most of what we think about love in our society today, in our culture, is selfish. Does somebody love me enough to give me something? To, to show me that they love me, to prove to me that they love me. And, and love oftentimes becomes inward focus. Is everybody going to love me the way that I want to be loved? And, and God's is outward focused. He loved people before they ever thought about loving him. And God gave his love for us. And when you think about the love of God, don't think of God's love as Jesus coming to give his life because God was ticked off at humanity and he had to somehow get God in a good mood by dying on the cross. 
It was the plan of God the Father and God the Son that the Son would give his life as an act of love, as the greatest demonstration of love that he could give, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says that whosoever believes, there, there's an alternative here if you keep reading in verses 17 and 18. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. You see, I have to come to a point where I change owners. I change who sits in control of my life and of my heart. Lauren talked about the difference between knowing Christ and having a relationship with him. You can know a lot about Jesus Christ. You can know that he was a sinless son of God and that he lived a sinless life. He was crucified and three days later he rose from the grave. You can know that. The devil knows that, but he doesn't believe. A lot of people know that, but that doesn't mean that they believe. In him, which means to throw yourself at him, to take a turn of direction in your life and to give yourself completely to Jesus Christ to say, Lord, I'm no longer the boss of my life. I mean, after all, you've already messed it up enough. Why don't you let somebody fix it? You, you see, God wants us to understand life the way it really was intended to be. Some of what this world calls fun proves fatal. Sometimes we talk about sowing wild oats and we end up reaping a harvest of pain. Sometimes we talk about life in the fast lane and it ends up in a dead end. People talk about, well, I've got freedom to act however I want to act, and they end up in bondage to pornography or to drugs or to alcohol. You see, a lot of what the world offers as life is not really life at all. It's a living death. And God has offered us an alternative. And he has exposed to us the seriousness of sin. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible is clear. If you choose to refuse the love of God, you choose to perish in your sins. You see, you can either embrace and accept that God died for you and gave his life for you and turn from the way that you've been living and come to a new life in Christ and find newness in him and spend eternity in heaven or to reject that means that you will spend eternity in a place called hell. Now, I want to just walk through the phrases here in John 3.16. It'll come up on the iMag to help you, but I want you to see the greatness of this verse. God, the greatest lover. God is the greatest lover that you will ever know. God gives the greatest gift of love that you will ever see. God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree. The world, that's the greatest company that he gave. That's the greatest act. No act of love has ever been greater or will ever be greater than the fact that God so loved that he gave. His only begotten son, that's the greatest gift 
No gift anyone could give you would ever be greater than the gift God gave you in giving his son. That whosoever, that's the greatest opportunity. The opportunity that you have today, and many of us have already had to give our lives to Jesus Christ, the opportunity that in just a matter of minutes you're going to be able to have to get up from where you are in the balcony, in the back, on the sides, wherever you are, and come down to the front and say, I need to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Believes. That's the greatest simplicity. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to know all the doctrines and the dogma and the creeds. You just have to know what it means to believe, to trust, to throw your life on Christ. It's not about being baptized to be saved. It's not about joining the church to be saved. It's believing in him, the greatest attraction. He's the one that we're attracted to because he first loved us. Should not perish. That's the greatest promise. The greatest promise you'll ever hear is that when you die, you don't spend eternity separated from God. You just move from living with God to more of God in the next life. Should not perish, but the greatest difference, there's a word there that decides whether you spend eternity in heaven or in hell. Have the greatest certainty, absolute certainty, trusting in Christ, you have eternal life, everlasting life, the greatest possession. You see, it's knowing that I can't save myself. It's knowing that I can't be good enough to be saved. I can't do enough good works that if my good outweighs my bad, then somehow God will have favor on me. It is knowing that I am not good. I'm bad at the core on the inside. You see, sin is not an outside issue. It's an inside issue. You see, here's, here's, let me explain it this way. When a worm is inside an apple, the worm did not bore its way into the apple from the outside. An insect put some larva on an apple blossom, and later when that apple came, that worm was birthed inside the heart of that apple and begins to bore its way out. When you and I sin, what is happening is that sinful nature inside of us is just working itself out of us. So you and I need a new nature inside of us. We need something to take away the sin that is in our hearts, not just the deeds that we do, the sin that is in our hearts. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, young man, young woman, married person, senior adult, child, whosoever, would believe in him, would not perish, spend eternity in hell, but have everlasting life. I've never met anybody that met Jesus Christ that wishes they hadn't done it. Not ever. Not in 35 years of ministry, I've never met anybody who said, I gave my heart to Jesus and I regret that I ever did it. Not once. I've met a lot of people that have regretted that they waited so long when they knew the love of God, when they had heard the story. And maybe today's the first time you've heard the story or the thousandth time you've heard the story, but you've not responded to God's great invitation of love. The story is told of a Hispanic family, and the dad and the son had a major falling out. The son got mad, and he 
stormed out of the house and he ran away. Later that day, the dad, grieving over his son, not understanding how much he loved him and how much he was trying to protect him from the things that he was getting involved in, began to weep. And as he began to weep, he got an idea in his head. And he went down to the little village where they lived and he went to the busiest store in town and he tacked up a sign on the store and it said, Paco, I love you. Please come home. Meet me here tomorrow. And the next day, that dad went to the store and there were seven boys named Paco standing at the store hoping that their father was saying to them, you can come home. Can I tell you something this morning? Whatever your name, whatever your condition, however far you've gone, however far away you think you are from God, this book right here is posted with God's love letter. And it says... I'll be waiting for you right here. Come home to your Father. Come home to the God who loves you. Come home to the one who can save you and deliver you from the guilt and the shame and the burden of your sin, who can roll it all away and give you a new life in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this room. I'm going to ask you right now that if you know that you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ today, you've heard the gospel sung, you've heard Lauren share her testimony about how God changed her life, I'm going to ask you in just a moment, the minute we stand, the minute we stand, I'm going to ask you to not only to stand, but to take a step toward an aisle and to come down the aisle and find one of these men and say, today I need to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're here and you're looking for a church home, I'm going to ask you today, the minute we stand, God has led you here today, you've heard of the love of Christ, you've met some of our people, and maybe God has said to you today, this is the place that needs to be your church home. This is where you need to bring your family. This is where you need to come as a single adult. I'm going to ask you on the very first note of the song, the very first note, it's a familiar song, you'll know it. I'm going to ask you to step up and step out and come and join. I'm going to ask you to do what Lauren's boyfriend asked her. I'm going to ask you to maybe turn to somebody that you brought with you and say to them, would you like me to go with you? You know, Lauren didn't know that her mom and dad were going to join her that day. And it may be that the person that you brought with you, it may be some member of your family that you're sitting with right now that, that you're not certain or they're not certain or you know they don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to just turn to them in just a moment on the first note and just say, I'll go with you. Why don't we go now? 
We have prayed for you. We have bathed this room in prayer that today would be the day of salvation for you, that Christ would make a difference in your life today. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Unless you're moving this way, I'm asking you to pray for people in this room from the balcony, from the back. They're singing right now. You step out and come. Turn to somebody and bring them with you right now. Invite somebody to come with you to the altar right now. Don't wait on anybody else. Come on and come right now. Give your heart to Jesus Christ right now. Let him save you. Let him set you free. Today is the day of salvation. God loves you. God cares about your life. He loves you enough to die for you.